0: The big idea of the book, which I think you probably picked up on, is um, is that we we desperately need the family of God, and everybody has a part to play within the family of God. Mm-hmm. And trying to build a case theologically for the fact that God's God's people are designed for so much deeper of a relationship that rather than be members of a club, we're called to be members of one another, to, to the to the degree that my muscles and sinew and bones and blood vessels desperately need each
1: other. Welcome to the Pastoring with Words podcast, a show where Christian authors and ministry workers have conversations about writing and following Jesus. I'm your host, Daryl Ibe. On today's episode, I'm joined by Ben Connolly. Ben co-planted the City Church in Fort Worth, Texas in 2009. I have never physically been to the church, but during this COVID season, I have dropped in on some of their services online. Ben may no longer be a paid staff member, but his missional heart and his love for his community is reflected in the church. I've talked or emailed Ben a number of times over the past few years, and I've always walked away feeling encouraged. He has this way of making Jesus present in the everyday things, whether that's in conversations or in his writing. Once again, at the end of our conversation, I walked away feeling encouraged from it. I'm sure that you will too. Right, well, thanks for joining me today, Ben. was just wanting to start with how ministry looks for you right at the moment, because you were at one stage the one of the pastors at uh, the City Church in Fort Worth, uh, but you've left that in a paid capacity now, so what are you doing with yourself?
0: Yeah, that's, a, that's a, a good place to start. Uh, officially, or by title, um, I'm director of training for an organization called Saturate, um, and Saturate is, is birthed out of a family of churches uh, in the U.S., and we have some presence in Australia and a, a few other countries around the world as well, but a family of churches called SOMA. Whose whose kind of philosophy is that a lot of Christian life and discipleship happened best uh, within a a smaller group of people who can really know one another well, support one another on mission, um, enter into each other's lives, speak the truth in love. We call those missional communities. We're not the only ones who call things missional communities, uh, but kind of SOMA is a group of churches shaped around missional communities. And so Soma started saturate to 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 do resourcing and training for uh, the church in the U.S. and around the world, who loved some of those ideas, who might not join the family of churches, or who might not even you know shape their church around missional communities proper, but who loved the idea of mission in community, or the idea of everyday discipleship, or gospel fluency, or this kind of stuff, and so. My day-to-day role is, is it's all online this year, of course, because it's 2020 and uh, COVID is changing everything. But, but my, my day-to-day is to, to come alongside church leaders and help train um, in areas like gospel fluency, how does the gospel apply to all of life, everyday discipleship, everyday mission, um, and church planting. Yeah. And then on a less official level, we're homeschooling our kids and I'm trying to love my neighbors well and engage. I'm still a a non-paid pastor at our church that we planted um, 11 years ago. Um, So all of that combined is what life in ministry looks like.
1: Mm. You mentioned about the missional aspect of Soma churches. Missional Mm -hmm. is a bit of a, a Christian buzzword. Yeah. And your books tend to focus on, on missional living, but what does that mean for you how is that different from sort of the buzzword yeah that's a that's a very fair
0: question um i think missional can be a buzzword to the point where you know like so many words i think not just within christianity but in both australian english and american english so many words can mean everything and therefore they can mean nothing um there there are folks that we've interacted with and worked with who just like the like the name and so they just shut down small groups and rename the missional communities and that mm. that doesn't carry any different substance with it which which muddies the waters <laughs> on everything mm. so i think missional living as i think about it if if, if missional is just a type of something if, if it's a if it's a describing word um then it's really just another way of saying that all of life is mission um that mission doesn't have to be an overseas trip or a trip to indigenous populations that you go into for a week and serve and leave. And rather mission is, is, is part of the identity that God has given us. We're ambassadors for ministers of reconciliation um, We're we're stewards of God's creation to, to proclaim and display his glory. And if that's true, then, then that defines our life rather than just a, a, a certain event or a certain, you know, number of weeks or that kind of thing. And so, a lot of our e- equipping, even even in, in in our own church, we haven't called them missional communities because of some of the buzzword. Mm-hmm. But any any I mean, house group or home group or city group or you know, small whatever whatever you you call it is going to have some connotation to it. And so, we've really tried to dig under the surface of the language and paint pictures, both theologically and tangibly, of what that kind of life on mission can look like.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. One of the things for me is with the differences between, say, a missional community and a small group is Mm -hmm. that small groups tend to, they're set up to look inwards and really care for the members of the group. But missional Mm -hmm. communities, while they do do that, they're also focusing outwards as well Mm -hmm. in living and displaying the gospel and who jesus is in everyday life is yeah. that a fair comment
0: yeah i think that it's it's adding that element of life and discipleship um into that kind of venue and, and really part of it is saying that as with all of the rest of life and i know we're coming to other questions related to this but as with the rest of life we're better when we walk through life together um as as a, as a family of god rather than individually and on mission that's everything from you know if I'm walking into a, an opportunity to display or declare the gospel alone, then maybe fear can take over. Or what if someone asks me a question? I don't know the answer. So there, there's the, the tangible side of having somebody with me. They might be able to answer the question or they might be able to bolster, uh, help me guard against fear of man. It's everything from that to the theological side of things where, you know, God usually got Jesus sent his first disciples out on mission together um, in pairs even. And mm. So just kind of building on that, both the the theme of the family of God, being better together, the the pragmatic aspect of, of being better together, saying mission can go better. And God, you know, God uses everything and, and everyone under the sun. So this is not a rule, but it seems like very often when there's more than one person involved, God uses that for the sake of his mission.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great answer because you were the co-pastor at, at the City Church. And for much of your writings, you've co-written with other pastors. Mm-hmm. So how important is that aspect of team there and how's it impacted your Christian faith?
0: Yeah, yeah. Team, team to me um, is just so incredibly vital. And, and, and for everything, again, like every, every single human has blind spots and the danger of it is you don't know you have them because they're blind spots. And so having someone with uh, the authority and who is taking the responsibility for me as I have the authority and take responsibility for them really brings a balance that no, no human can, can have on their own. You know, in, in leadership within the church, you know, there's, there's different ways of looking at it prophet priest king apest you know yep just just more shepherding versus more inward facing leaders more outward facing leaders all of these mm-hmm. kind of different groupings but but even in a more you know our our church has co-pastors but even in in several more traditional churches you have like the teaching pastor and the executive pastor yep. and maybe like a counselor on staff or this kind of thing and that's recognizing the same thing i would love to be all things to all people but i can't and and, and so i need leaders to to balance out my rough edges and to balance out my overstatements and they need me to balance out their rough edges or their overstatements so one week when someone preaches our our congregation feels more challenged and one week they might feel a little bit more shepherded and as long as the team retains trust (laughs) and as long as we're communicating and not you know dividing over those things it actually produces a lot more of a holistic shaping of people And guards against, you know, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow, you know, Daryl, I follow Ben. And instead says, no, we're we're one family and we need each other's perspectives.
1: Mm. So again, that was very much what you were talking about just earlier, that sort of Mm -hmm. needing each other to speak into each other's lives, which kind of leads me to my next idea is that right at the moment, you're writing a book about community in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Now that hasn't come out yet. So I was just wondering yeah, if you could share some of the uh, <laughs> ideas and the writing process that you've gone through mm-hmm. on this project. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the, the process process has been, it's been interesting. I'm writing a book on community while we've been in lockdown um, <laughs> and on, <laughs> On one level, there's so much irony in that, but on another, it feels it feels like people are yearning for community because they can't have it. Yearning for, I'll say, close close relationships. This is true within the church. It's true outside the church. But people are, are yearning for close relationships in, in in a season that they can't have it. And maybe it's shining a light on the fact that when we could have it, when it was natural to be able to see people and be with people, we, we took it for granted. And... Mm. So, the process has been been interesting in that, and I've have I've invited even and this is something we've done with with all the books that I've gotten to, to share authorship with we've always invited other voices to speak into it and shape it so it's not just me and the publisher or me and the, the paid editor, but in, in this case, including yourself like voices from around the world are, are speaking into this and, and and especially with a book on community that's been really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. To, to help bring some balance and other voices and and even to kind of go like, hey, this feels really myopic here, or you need to flesh this out because you've lived this way for a few years with a group of people, but it's new for a reader potentially, or that kind of stuff. So collaboration just seems to be such a, a kingdom theme throughout the Bible that we've tried to shape our church around it. We've tried to, I've tried to shape my writing uh, projects around it and this kind of stuff. Um and so that was a really long answer to, the, to one part of your question. The the big idea of the book, which I think you probably picked up on, is um, is that we, we desperately need the family of God, and everybody has a part to play within the family of God. And the danger that that many of us face is if it's called, if, if we think of community, then community can be shaped by anything from you know, dog walkers coming together to walk their dogs for half an hour and then community disperses or a certain civic club or, you know, that you join a, a social club and you can kind of take it or leave it. If it becomes too inconvenient, you can step out of it. And, and sometimes, uh, at least in some churches, communities are, are very monogenerational or homogenous in some way. Mm-hmm. And trying to build a case theologically for the fact that God's God's people are designed for so much deeper of a relationship that rather than be members of a club, we're called to be members of one another to the the degree that my muscles and sinew and bones and blood vessels desperately need each other.
1: Mm, That would be picking up on Paul's body metaphor as well. And even Peter's temple metaphor that uh, Christ is building us all into one building. So yeah. what do you think we miss out on, I guess, as a Christian faith community when we fail in this area of community?
0: Yeah. To what you just said, I think that we miss out on a picture of, of uh, what God designed his people for. It's not good for man to be alone. Um, some of the first words that we see God, um, say in the scriptures, uh, at least as it relates to humans, and while that's specifically talking about man and woman, it's also talking about the first ever community that God created, the first ever mm-hmm. human community that God created. So, by ourselves, we can't reflect uh, a Trinitarian God. By ourselves, we can't bring the fullness of creation together. I've even, I've even thought, even the 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 beauty of Genesis one, you know, where where our literal God's first words. Light and darkness, day and night, water and land, all of these things are beautiful on their own, but none of them can exist in a healthy way. None of them can exist without the other. If the sun went away and and the earth was only lit by the moon, we're in trouble. And, And yet the day and night working together is actually more glorifying to God than if we just had day or night. Or mm. to kind of blend metaphors, if day said, I want to be night and became night, or if night said, I have no need for day, you know, in the same way that the hand and the foot have no need for each other. So from before humankind, God has been been glorified as things that are different, work together for his glory. Mm. Um, and that's just been true of all of creation. It's true of Israel, it's true of the church. You know, one of the beauties of living in Texas is I get to say y'all and, uh, the, the you all, the plural doesn't get translated out of the Greek, but most of the you's in the New Testament, Y O U, um, we can read that as individual because in our Western culture we we are individualistic, but most of them are y'all. Yeah. Um y'all grew up in every way into Christ who's the head. Y'all forgive each other. Um, you guys, you know, it's it's a it's a plural and we miss out on the the depth and beauty of of life together, as Bonhoeffer called it
1: it's not just a horizontal sort of community though, either that we right. live in. It's also one we with, with God as well, just as he's mm-hmm. community with father, son, and spirit. So how does that tie in with, with your work as well?
0: Yeah, it's, it, it is the start and finish of, of this entire premise. Uh, we we cannot be brothers and sisters at least in the the eternal sense uh, unless we first realize that we are all children of, a, of, of one father and, and and it's gosh it's his it's his word that shows us how to live in this mm-hmm. family situation by example and by command um, and by prohibition and everything else. Um, it's his spirit that empowers us with, with, with even the desire. Um, let's be honest. Like we all have folks in our close Christian communities that we're like, I don't know if I like that person. I don't mm-hmm. think we'd hang out. If, mm-hmm. if it weren't for the blood of Christ, and then we realize, well, but we have the blood of Christ. And so she or he needs something from me and I need something from him or her. Okay. There's a, there, there's a motivator. Um, but the spirit has to give us that the spirits so with the the helper, the one who brings unity, and so the, this whole life together is not something we can just conjure up in any sustainable way. It starts with God. It is only empowered through the through the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus mm. and the promise that we're going to be a family together for all of eternity. And then the, the empowerment of the spirit and the good news of the gospel.
1: And can you tell me about how you've written your book? Cause not just this book, mm-hmm. but all of your books are written quite differently from other Christian authors in that instead of writing just, you know, like a handful of, of chapters, you divide your books mm-hmm. into daily readings. Yes. So why, why have you gone for this approach rather than just kind of bigger slabs?
0: Yeah, it's um, yeah. So both in, both in the, the, the book I'm writing um, right now, and then also we've done some, you know, handbooks for, for a few other friends, uh, actual books. Uh, my background is, some of my background is in adult education. Again, very generalized, like childhood childhood education is hear this and repeat it, or learn this and repeat it. So spelling words, you get a new set every week, you memorize and memorize, and have a test on Friday, learn, repeat, learn, repeat. Hmm. The best adult learning can be summarized as know it, do it, own it. And so, so that's really a lot of the way that I've that I've tried to craft the projects that I've gotten to work on is going. We often, and I won't say most Christian authors, because I don't know most Christian authors, but 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 several books I read all they, they feel like they trend more in that. Oh, if Ben just knows a little bit more of this, then mm-hmm. he'll have it. But in the same way, like we all know that that you know One One Direction sermons and this kind of stuff have been not just sermons, lectures or this kind of stuff are, are some of the the least effective way of learning. Um, I've also heard a book is just a written lecture sometimes. And so mm. so what we've tried to do is is create a create a pathway for folks to go, okay, let's take a bite-sized chunk. It's written over 25 days, just for context. So little little snippets over 25 days. Mm. Um, and and go like let's let's take something that I can actually bite off, chew on it, marinate on it, maybe, maybe remember one concept throughout the day. And then every day ends with a, like, here's a suggested way to, that you might try to put this in practice, going like, okay, you know a little bit, now try to do something with it. And as you do, then maybe it'll become part of your DNA or maybe it'll become part of your, your life a little bit more.
1: And so then they've got a real practical bent to them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and practical, and practical is always hard, right? Like, it's, it's difficult to write with some practical suggestions, without them becoming a checklist or legalism, and so I think the the most difficult part. This is back to your process question. The most difficult part is trying to find a line between going, okay, here's theology and principle, versus here's some examples and practice. Because to to really, you know, if if, if anybody picks up a book, uh, it should change them somehow. If Anybody picks up anything, it should have an impact on them, and so we we want to leave folks with some. With some change over the course of the five weeks twenty five days, trying to give some example and practice while also rooting it in scripture and theology is is maybe the the hardest tension to, to, to walk
1: yeah not not to mention that it's also context driven too, so what yeah. mm-hmm. might work in your situation in Fort Worth, Texas might be completely irrelevant to my situation here in in Australia, probably a bad sure. example, yeah. but um, the the context can change depending on where the the reader is, and That's right. yeah. trying to to force that in isn't helpful, is it?
0: No, it's it's not, and and to try to communicate, you know, the the eternal truths, the, those are true in any culture in any country in any moment in history but to your point that looks like it could look a million different ways yeah and all of them are probably you know all of them can be bad you know and if, wrongly motivated in this kind of but but most of the ways you try to put something into practice if it's based in the theology scripture and principle behind it then great there's a there's a million good ways that this can look depending on who and where we are
1: when I was at college, Ben, I um only did one subject on mission. Mm. I wasn't particularly interested in it. I was kind of getting myself set up to sure. be an assistant minister in a church. Mm-hmm. And at some stage, I remember being challenged by the idea of Uh, missional living but for me it wasn't being told what to do it was learning about the why to and being invited into a story where God's a missional God that was important and so I I think I hear that that's the heart behind the the project you're trying to invite people into a story and Mm -hmm. along the way here's some ideas that might be helpful as well
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that characterization. I I hope that that is true of of anything that I, that I get to work on. If it starts anywhere other than God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and if it ends anywhere other than he's going to empower us in this and we're covered in his grace when we feel like we fail and he's going to give us, you know, the, the, the direction and the words to speak. Those are some of his promises, right? And if it, if we we end self-reliant, if we end even going, okay, I get that God is like this, but now it's all on my shoulders to make myself like this. Like we've, we've utterly lost all the power um, that could be possible.
1: Yeah. And you've written really positively about bivocational ministry. In fact, you've lived that out as well. Could you explain your, your thoughts on this? And
0: sure. Um, yeah. And so this is, this is another one to be really careful of, right? Like by vocation, uh, stemming from the, from the previous question could become a principle or a stake in the ground or this kind of stuff that, that has some real benefit, um, and does echo some aspects of what I I think the story of God might call some people into. And also it is not, it cannot be an idol or a God. Um, it it is one way to carry out ministry. So (laughs) with that disclaimer, yeah, when I when we planted our church 11 years ago, at the time, uh, long story about the economy, this is 2008, 2009, the economy crashed, the local university is very expensive. And so they over enrolled students thinking that not everyone would come because of the economy crashing. And then many of those students still came. So they had an overpopulated first year class. And as we were starting a church, Uh, a friend of mine was one of the deans in the communication school and said, we need someone who can communicate to come teach, you know, freshman level public speaking. Could you, could you consider that? So I went through the interview process and and got hired. And at the time I was saying, Oh, this will benefit our church. I won't have to raise as much money or rely on internal giving as much to, to uh, you know, to support my family. Mm -hmm. Um, but within, a, and that, that still is a benefit. I don't want to diminish that. You know, I think there's some, you know, provision. God, God provided for our church and for our family through that role and the timing was such. And I probably wasn't qualified to do it, but I got hired. And so there's a lot of grace on that. But it ended up very quickly going from just a purely financial benefit to going, God has given me 25, 50, 75 students a semester, um, some of whom know Jesus, many of whom don't. And he's putting them under my authority. Um, it was, it's a private university. And so had some flexibility in you know, displaying for sure, but even getting to declare the gospel in some winsome ways, both in mm-hmm. front of the class. And then as I tried to intentionally get to know students throughout the semester, you know, take them to lunch and, and always in groups, of course, but would take them to lunch and, and try to get to know them a little bit and actually show them that I, I, I spend 13 weeks with you, but I actually care about you because you're a human, um, mm. not just a student. Um yeah. So that, that's a little bit of my my story um, in bivocational vocational ministry. It was a financial blessing. It was a although university professors don't get paid very much, so it was, it was still a financial <laughs> blessing not not you know rolling in the dough or anything. But um, it helped the church. It was a missional blessing, and then I think even just as as an elder, as an example to the flock, I didn't have to to try to conjure up examples during sermons of living in the real world, um, or mm-hmm. this kind of thing. And, and many preachers are very good at, 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 having great stories. And of course we all have neighbors, we all have kids and school and this kind of stuff. But, but I got to share about like, this is what happened in my class this week. This is what, a in, in a, in a engagement with a non-Christian coworker, and at least for my context at the time, most pastors are full-time. And so like most of them don't have, didn't have, uh, non-christian co-workers because yeah. they work full-time at church so I've, i found it to be beneficial i don't think it's for everybody um our, our church has had some full-time staff members i just haven't been one of them and different roles and back to different giftings even uh there are some roles that seem to to necessitate more time um just even be among the flock and shepherding and other roles that might not
1: yeah i guess in a, a very real way, it challenged you as well to live out the words that you were preaching, just as much Absolutely, as yeah. it as it challenged those that were hearing them. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And and I would say a third, like on a on a personal sanctific- sanctification level, it it was a very tangible reminder that the church that I was planting was God's and not mine.
1: Yeah, wow. just by
0: having. Having to give myself to something else during some of my waking hours didn't yeah. let it become the all-consuming uh, idol, frankly. Um, mm. That it that it could have. I, I know myself. I go all in on whatever I'm working on, and and uh, I could have I could have overvalued it. And so, having a very tangible two days a week, you got to be on campus was was good training wheels, I guess I might say. Um, but you've been by vocation. Bivocational as well. I'm curious to, to, yeah, am I allowed to ask you questions or does this have to be yeah. a one-way interview?
1: No, definitely ask me questions. So, yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, I've been bivocational and found enormous benefits in that. It would be very easy and very comfortable for me, as, particularly as an introvert, to shut myself in a study mm-hmm. for a lot of the week. However, not having that opportunity to forces me out and to live my faith in the everyday world. That's what we're calling everyone to do. And that's what God calls us all to do. And I don't know how I could call people to do that if I wasn't willing to do it as well. Coming from that has just been amazing opportunities at the kids' school with other parents just to live my faith there and engage with the other parents, which has just been, you know, a brilliant opportunity to share my faith there in real and tangible ways that hasn't been a, here's an X, Y, Z of the gospel, but has often been a sitting alongside of people, which takes a long time to really get into the habit of, Because a gospel that just goes, here's X, Y, Z, we know we can run Mm -hmm. through it. But a gospel where you have to sit down and say, God, where are you at work in people's lives and their hearts? And how can I join with you? That takes time to stop and learn and listen to, to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing and looking to partner in with him. And so that's been one of the enormous privileges. I love that. And, and
0: it even not to you know, put a pretty bow on this, but it, it gets back to that image of, of family and why, why discipleship happens when we can sit and look each other in the eye and say, I mean, for, for each of us, the gospel became good news to us because we heard it in a way that, that met some need, answered some questions, freed us from some, something and sometimes that happened from the stage, but for yeah. so many people I know it happened in the environment that you're talking about, or maybe both, where someone stopped and cared enough before I was even part of the family of God, but cared enough for me as a human made in the image of God. Yeah um, to, to, to get to get to know my story and to care for me kind of like you would uh, you know, in a family's family is is carries with it plenty of brokenness, but you know, but to to care for me as you would uh A brother or for our our sisters or cousins or this kind of stuff that that's where so much of christian growth happens is on those couches with the daryls being asked questions and 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 having you winsomely speak the truth in love and the promises of god over me
1: and so do you have any final encouragement to anyone that would be listening who would be have been really inspired about these ideas of missional living or community that we've talked about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think what I would say is that this is, this is true of each of us. If if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, that we have a Trinitarian God who lives in perfect community with himself and who created us to live in perfect community with him and others. Obviously that, that's been marred by sin, um, but, but if we really believe in an eternal hope, then we can we can see some foreshadows of God's human coming as will be done into our churches now so that's the community side we're, we're already designed for that and we're already designed as missionaries as well that because a god came to us on mission and sent other of his children on mission to us um, he's given us the titles and the identities to be his missionaries in that everyday missional kind of way and and we can be so afraid of that we can doubt ourselves and both sides of that why would anybody want to be in community with me Why why would anyone want to hear anything i have to say about jesus but but it's not we don't have to rely on ourselves for this we have the very spirit of god who, who raised jesus from the dead working in us and will give us the desire that we may not have right now will give us the power that that we don't feel like we have his his strength is made perfect in our weakness and so he's given us both the 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 title and the charge but man what a gracious loving father he also gives us his power to carry out these things that he's called us to so this isn't just a conversation between Daryl and me this is this is thing these are things that are true of everyone
1: who calls themselves a Christian mm-hmm. yeah thanks so much Ben for coming and having a chat today. Uh, it's been so yeah, good. My I loved having the opportunity to chat with Ben Connolly. His resources can be found at saturatetheworld.com or check out the show notes at pasturingwithwords.com. If you've been enjoying the podcast, then subscribe and leave a review. It's one of the easiest ways you can help the podcast be heard by more people. And as always, I look forward to sharing another conversation on ministry and writing next week. Bye now.